0: Welcome to the Soft Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Mowbray, and in each episode, I will discuss the key topics that impact football coaching in the foundation and youth development phases. Thanks for listening. and hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, George. Welcome to the Soft Coaching Podcast.
1: Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, apologies for a, a bit of a delay in getting back, but
0: um, no, it's great to be on. No not at all not at all well like, I think um, we spoke briefly very briefly before we've hit the record button here but uh, I've seen a few of your things on Twitter and some of the other bits and pieces done on um, YouTube and things so it was always a case of being keen to get you on and have a chat about the stuff you're doing because I think it's great but obviously at the right time when you were ready for it so uh, <laughs> you, you pace yourself accordingly. <laughs> oh, yeah, I appreciate that and um, yeah looking forward to to get on with it yeah top bad um well just a bit about your background then uh, if you don't mind we often start off with this with with guests just so we get a feel for kind of where they're at in their in their careers if you like so just anything around you kind of what your journey is so far up to this point
1: yeah so i mean um I'm, yeah i'm only 22 so i suppose i'm, I'm still in the, the early stages of my uh, my journey if you like but um yeah in terms of i guess sort of playing sports growing up um always sort of played a a range of sports but sort of football was always the one that I sort of focused on and 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 happened to be a little bit better at than other sports um didn't play to any sort of great level at all just sort of local football as as I was growing up and um sort of yeah county level under 18s but apart from that 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 was really it really um as I was sort of going into that sort of post-16 age in terms of my coaching that's where it sort of started really so I did a futsal program um which was run um, by Plymouth Argyle, so an education program and that was sort of based in Cornwall um, and then through that um, I basically started volunteering as a as a community coach um, within the Argyle and the community trust program. Um, so from there I sort of just started doing the community work so in terms of in school, after school clubs, um, development centers and then sort of picked up my level one and my level two sort of within yeah I guess a year of doing that um, and that sort of just progressed and, and continued really in terms of um, yeah, doing the community work in schools, um, pretty much on a daily basis, um, just sort of building up um, experience in terms of that that environment. Um, and then, yeah, when I got to sort of when I finished that course at eighteen, moved on to university. So I went to Plymouth Margin University um, in Plymouth, and I did a football development and coaching um, degree. So um, when I sort of moved up to Plymouth, I, I continued my community um, coaching um, for Argyle in the community trust still, um, but based in Plymouth rather than Cornwall. In terms of w- before I went to uni as well, um, I sort of volunteered at the local centre of excellence as well for Plymouth. So um, that was a case of when I first sort of went up there of just observing the coaches and watching the sessions and, you know, picking up the cones, standing in the rain and, and just sort of picking up bits and pieces from watching the coaches, which was really great. And and through that, I sort of um, progressed into a, to an assistant coach at that centre. And then when I um, moved to, to Plymouth to, to start university, um, it was quite a nice sort of transition in terms of um, they had a couple of different centre of um, across sort of Devon. Um, so, so from going from an assistant, I then went to um, a lead coach across two different centres um, on a Thursday and Friday night. So I sort of carried across that coaching um, when, I, when I went um, yeah, to university. So I could carry that alongside my studies um, and then, yeah, and sort of continue that over the, over the first two years of my degree um, and into my final year. Um, but I was quite fortunate in, in the fact that I managed to get onto my, um, UA for B on my, on my final year of university. So, um, yeah, I sort of started that. And in terms of the, the, the university I was at, um, I was quite fortunate in one of my lecturers there was, um, basically created a a local grassroots team there so um, I sort of spoke to him and and, and try and identify sort of a grassroots team that I could work with um, and and ended up taking the under 18s actually for that club and I was only 20 at the time so it was a bit of one of them whereas in terms of not much difference in age but it was was a great learning experience for me in terms of um, yeah I guess managing individuals but also coaching and and, and relating that to the game as well so yeah during that and then sort of alongside that as well just just to add a few more bits to my day I was I was working 30 hours a week for the community program then as well so um yeah my third year of uni was was pretty busy (laughs) to say the least but um (laughs) yeah it was a great experience in terms of um (laughs) yeah I did not the actually so (laughs) yeah I was I was was very busy but um (laughs) Yeah. yeah it was one of them where I suppose the hard work sort of rewarded me in terms of the experience I gained and um, yeah yeah, I suppose going on from uni um, I sort of carried on that community coaching role in terms of in school work and and development centres and and then I sort of um, started my academy um, journey if you like in terms of working in um, Plymouth's academy. So sort of my first season um, went in as the assistant to the under 13s Um, and that that again was a, a great experience in terms of although i have been involved a little bit in terms of academy football before that, in terms of being there on a consistent basis, this was sort of the, the first sort of opportunity I had, which was, you know, great and to be sort of working with other great coaches and watching other great coaches, which, are, you know, a lot more experienced than me and um, got lots of other ideas and, and sort of knowledge that I could sort of learn, learn from again. It was a, a great experience. And then, um, yeah, from there, I sort of um, I went for a job interview um, as a, well, at the time, it was the head of recruitment for the academy at the club. And although I didn't get it, I had an interview and it was, you know, a great experience. Looking back, it wasn't the right job for me. And it was sort of more of a case. It was, you know, limited opportunities. So I thought I'd just try it. Um, but it was a great sort of experience in terms of learning. And to be honest, that was probably the first proper interview I've actually had. So <laughs> in terms of that, it was, uh, yeah, I guess another experience to add to that. And then, um, yeah, I'm now sort of working full time. Um, at the Cornwall Football Association so my role there at the moment is um, marketing and communications officer so I'm sort of in charge of I guess the digital side in terms of the website and and the sort of marketing campaigns on the social media and stuff like that so yeah that's sort of my main job at the moment and then alongside that I'm the under 10s lead coach for Plymouth at the moment which I'm loving obviously at the moment we, we can't get out and coach and stuff which is uh, frustrating but um yeah hopefully soon, soon we can get back out and, and get back out on the grass and then um yeah I'm doing a, a, a master's alongside that so that's through sort of blended learning as well so yeah that's sort of my, my short journey so far but yeah where I'm at currently.
0: Well George I don't know how you crammed so much into a few years. that's quite incredible because you're still a young guy right?
1: Uh, well, I like to think so. I'm only 22, so
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, trust me, and That's you, have So, well, well done. You've done. Um, you've done a lot in a short space of time. So, congratulations! And obviously, you have a passion for it all. We've had a few people who who lectured on some of the degree programmes around football and things on the podcast before, but I don't know if I've had anyone actually gone through the programme. So, you did the football development and coaching degree, did you? Is that what your degree was at Plymouth?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, Plymouth Marjorie so yeah, on football development and coaching
0: degree. Yeah yeah so i mean i don't want to go into too much detail but roughly was it what you thought it was going to be did you enjoy it? did you get loads out of it in relation to i mean what what does it kind of cover and talk about because it sounds intriguing for someone who didn't have that opportunity when i many yeah. moons ago when the degrees were kind of more traditional if you like this is something i would have been loving if um i'd have been 18 19 20 years old yeah. so was it was it what you thought it was going to be yeah i mean it was it was a great experience and it
1: was you know really rewarding for me and i suppose ultimately although i sort of had the connection in terms of the community coaching first in terms of sort of a, a casual basis. It sort of, yeah, ultimately prepared me for a job with, you know, when I, when I graduated, but I suppose, yeah, in terms of the program, it was, it was really good in terms of providing a, a different experiences and knowledge. So for example, um, we had sort of coaching modules in terms of where we'd sort of, I guess, re- reflect and critique ourselves in terms of our coaching um, and some analysis modules. But we'd also have the more development side of football. So the the community in the wider sort of picture and using sport f- for social good sort of side of it as well. So in terms of in the second year off the top of my head, you know, one thing that really sort of benefited me in terms of, um, an experience on there. We did a, an events management module. So basically, um, me and a, and a few others in a group, we were responsible for running a, a, a local, well, a, a football festival for um, local um, primary schools within Plymouth. Um, and so we were basically in charge of everything in terms of advertising, setting it up on the day, and stuff like that. So in terms of, I suppose, real life experience, um, that that was really good. And I suppose alongside it, it was great in terms of the the opportunities in terms of um, Continuum, my community coaching and my setbacks and stuff but um, I was also able to do sort of um, for a few months like kind of a voluntary analysis sort of placement in terms of um, helping the academy out as well with that so I suppose in terms of yeah giving a, me a good idea of sort of the overall picture but different aspects in terms of development or the more sort of I guess coaching or performance side of it as well it was
0: um, yeah it was really good sort of grounding and yeah based to sort of work off going forward. And you've obviously coached different age groups and going to the under 18s was um, you know, 20 years old. That's a huge thing to do, especially in grassroots football, like that, that kind of adult senior team, if you like, because um, that's where they are, right? And you've done under 13s and under 10s and all sorts. So do you have a favourite kind of phase or age that you like to coach? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, yeah, like I said, I've,
1: yeah, I've probably worked sort of under fives up to yeah under 18s, really. And obviously I've sort of been involved with adult football in terms of playing, not necessarily coaching. But I suppose... At the moment, I'm loving sort of working with the under-10s. And I I suppose, although I'm not necessarily fixed on something in terms of going forwards, I do really enjoy the sort of the foundation phase, if you like, in terms of the energy and and that sort of side of it in terms of helping them, you know, just love and enjoy the game. Um, So I suppose that's probably where, you know, I I lie in terms of at the moment. But likewise, when I was with the under-18s, for example, I really enjoyed that in terms of gives you different opportunities to either try and develop players sort of, in slightly different ways in terms of helping them develop their identity um, but also sort of I guess look at the game slightly different in terms of more sort of I guess the tactical stuff as well but um, yeah I say at the moment I'm you know I'm really interested and really enjoying the, the younger ages in terms of helping that help
0: keep that initial spark if you like. Well on that then how would you kind of describe your coaching philosophy um, and principles we ask this to guess all the time as well because it's a great indication of kind of what's important to you and if I was a player in your team, whether that's an under 10, 13 or 18, kind of what would it be like being a player being coached by you?
1: Yeah, so I was, I was having a think about this recently and I suppose it's it's probably one of them in terms of my sort of philosophy and values will, I guess, naturally and organically develop over time. And But I suppose in terms of when I'm coaching, I want to try and show sort of a, a genuine care for players and, and try and help develop them as people as well as, as, well as players. So try and or develop them holistically um, and then sort of provide experiences that sort of fulfill their needs in terms of, so with sort of um, the younger players, you know, making sure they've still got that love of the game and I'm not taking it away from them, you know, keeping that spark light and, you know, helping them develop the technical side of it and just really enjoy playing and loving being with the ball. Um, So I suppose in terms of, yeah, the overall, that's what I try and do. And then I suppose sort of values that I guess are important to me in terms of, I sort of mentioned there in terms of showing that care and and considering the individual first rather than just just the players and putting the person first. And then, um, yeah, just try and make it as fun as possible in terms of for the players, but also in terms of coaching is a passion of mine as well. So I want to make sure, you know, what I'm doing is fun for the players, but I'm also enjoying it as well. Um, And I suppose I was thinking the other day in terms of value, in terms of, I sort of put it down as like, limitless if you like in terms of for the players but also for myself as well but just providing the platform for the players that doesn't either fit them into a mold or 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 limit their sort of potential in terms of what they could be or what sort of identity they, they could grow into so it's i suppose just providing that platform where it's allowing players to develop in in sort of a natural way without stopping them from going down certain routes or putting them into a mold if that
0: makes sense yeah it does yeah totally yeah especially the younger age groups right because they're still you know there's a long way to go yet before they find out who they are as people and certainly as football players um and what would your session look like if i was watching your under 10s next week what what would i see
1: yeah so i suppose in terms of um the academy program so it's sort of been refreshed recently in terms of um the approach so in terms of a foundation phase session. As coaches, we're given sort of ownership in terms of how how it looks in terms of the session. But I suppose we've got key stuff that we need to try and um, cover throughout that. And it's nothing sort of groundbreaking, but we sort of um, as a club identifies some key sort of techniques in terms of the players need to develop um, sort of during their foundation phase, but also continuing as they grow older. Um, so it's um, yeah quite high sort of technical focus in terms of the younger ages, um, and then drip feeding in sort of um, elements of the game and principles that they can apply. Um, but it's really sort of focused around, yeah, I guess the individual um, and how they complete or carry out um, different techniques to allow them to um, perform whatever is in the game. So it's really trying to give them that sort of sort of technical hard drive or toolbox, if you like, to, to rely upon in the games. And, and I guess in terms of training, there will be sort of unopposed um, elements to it in terms of learning technique. Um, but at the same time, the importance of decision making and, and that perceptual side of it as well is really important. So, um, sort of yeah, one v ones, two v twos, two v ones, small sided games, which are you know got different rules and conditions, all that sort of stuff will feed into it. So, it's still a mix. Um, but I suppose the younger ages, we've got that sort of um, technical focus in terms
0: of developing those um, sort of key techniques as well. And do you, how how much time would you get with the players? Uh, obviously, at the moment there's nothing happening. But on an, if it, all things being normal, how much time would you get with the under tens? week yeah
1: so I suppose um so last this season we've sort of done two um weekly training sessions sort of about an hour and a half each and then we have a match on the weekend um last year we had three sessions a week so that sort of increased it but obviously with, with COVID and everything it's um changed at the moment so I suppose yeah at the moment um well pre sort of this lockdown it was um yeah about sort of three up three hours or so a week in terms of um training and then yeah we've got our sort of match day on the weekend or if the game's been cancelled, then we'll have another session, sort of thing. So,
0: and how do you approach matches with them? I mean, it, it, is it competitive in the sense of you go to win these games, or do you look those are they learning opportunities, and you just try things out with the players? Yeah. So for me,
1: I, I see sort of the game as, I guess, an extension of, of of training in terms of either allowing them to well allowing them to further develop whatever it is we've been focusing on in training. Um, and for me, it's the priority is the development of these kids, um, and, and, and that sort of long term picture in terms of um, although, don't get me wrong, winning is important, and winning is part of football. And that's still, I'm not here to say winning is not part of obviously the approach. But the development is the overall priority. Um, and you know, there's not any sort of league tables or anything like that for, for like with grassroots, and there's not that sort of side of it. So it's not a case of oh, we've got to win these next four games to be top of the league. It's it's more about how we can try and support the individuals to further develop their techniques or whatever it is they've been working on in training or whatever it is that's personal to them in terms of their sort of their needs within the game as well. So it's,
0: yes, definitely that development first. You did your UA for B, obviously, relatively recently, how much has that helped you just generally, but also, I guess, more with the younger players? Because I guess the UAFB is kind of looked at as being more for 11-a-side kind of game, I, yeah. I, I reckon. Yeah. Having, I've not done my UAFB, so I don't know. But I wonder how much of that has been useful when you're coaching in the foundation phase.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, like I said, it is more suited in terms of the 11-v-11 11 11 game. I suppose in terms of um, that experience for me, it might sound a bit weird, but I suppose... Before I went on the UA for B, I thought I coached, but I actually didn't. I was more—it was more sort of, I guess, facilitating. And although f- facilitating can be sort of a, cl- a clever way of coaching in terms of allowing players, I think it really sort of hit home to me in terms of recognizing how I can add value but how I can sort of work and intervene to to do that and it's not I'm not saying I'm stopping you know my boys for 10 minutes and tell them this this and this but it's recognizing <laughs> sort of you know how, how I as a coach can help shape and, and guide players and, and drip feed in different stuff within the sessions as well so I suppose in terms of yeah that ua for b experience it was brilliant for me in terms of yeah I guess like I said recognizing what I really need to do to actually be true to myself and be a coach properly in terms of helping the players Um, but I suppose it allowed me obviously at the time I was working with under 18 so it allowed me to do sort of quite cool sort of analysis I was doing um, whilst I was at uni as well so I suppose other aspects in terms of um, looking at stuff in in more detail and sort of um, that approach as well but I suppose yeah in terms of what I can apply now to the under 10s I've still got that sort of detailed approach in terms of I don't know, in terms of when I prepare for a session, if I, if I feel unprepared, then I don't feel as confident. So I like to have quite a detailed approach. However, with this season, for example, with the younger ones, it's I've had to, although I've had that detailed approach, I've had to make my plan almost, not simpler, but clearer in terms of the messages that I want to get across. And um, sort of focus around, like I said, the technical uh, technical work as well. So it's a case of having that knowledge, but being able to apply it in a way that's suitable for the, The environment that I'm working with.
0: You've done a lot, but you're still very early in your coaching journey. You know, but you've done a lot in that short space of time. I wonder as a snapshot right now, if you reflect back from your your first few coaching sessions a few years back to now, what would you say were some of the things that maybe you didn't get right back then that maybe you're more confident you're getting right now?
1: Yeah, I think in terms of, you know, I definitely still get a lot of things wrong, and and it's, you know, come away from every session like I'm sure most people do thinking, oh if I could do this like different or, or actually I could tweak this or whatever, but I suppose in terms of, yeah, reflecting back, obviously a few years in terms of when I first started and, and where I am now in terms of, like I just mentioned there, in terms of what I thought was a coach before in terms of what I think is a coach now, but also I suppose in terms of, for me, a really important approach or perspective that I've got now in terms of the importance of that sort of human connection and and the the person. And I suppose in terms of when I first started, perhaps naively in terms of just thinking football, football, football is more about sort of the X's and O's. And although that's important, it's, you know, it's it's flipped its head in terms of, you know, now I'm really sort of focused on how I can help the individuals and that's something I, I want to get better at and definitely can. Um, but I suppose, yeah, being able to speak to different people about sort of coaching and, and getting some different sort of feedback really sort of strengthen that view. And I, I mean, I don't know if you or any of your listeners have sort of um heard of Keith Mayer and the the gold dust uh podcast yeah, um so I've, yeah so I've been quite fortunate to be able to speak to him and it, I, you won't mind saying but in terms of um on a few occasions and sort of you know if, if you're looking for someone in terms of to to inspire coaches and 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 sort of provide you know like like I said the gold dust in terms of that human connection and how powerful that is um you know, he's—I suppose—he's really had quite a big impact. And although I've never actually met him in person, I've spoken to him a few times. He's actually had quite a big impact in terms of, um, I guess, how I see coaching and and the priorities within that.
0: What you've done well, I think, George, is you've exposed yourself to people early on, networks out and kind of thrown yourself in there. And when you do that, inevitably you pick things up, don't you? It doesn't mean you have to like everything or take everything on, but just by seeing it and having a look out there and stepping outside of your immediate environment, that can only add value to you as a coach and therefore hopefully add to your toolbox and then help your players add to their toolboxes, right? And it seems like that's what you've been doing over, you know, really, well, since the start of your coaching journey.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think well it's quite funny yeah I suppose in terms of like I said if I was to I suppose when I first started coaching um at 16 or started the community stuff I suppose my long-term aim was to be I thought it'd be so cool to be like involved in in academy football and I suppose I've somehow managed to stumble across that already and I'm thinking I didn't think I'd actually get there this quick (laughs) sort of thing um and I don't think that's anything to do with me in terms of my coaching or anything I think it's more the fact that I've started off voluntary and, and sort of got to know people in and around the, the club and sort of gradually worked my way and built experience and worked my way through and I suppose it's a weird one, I think, sort of, you know, if I didn't volunteer and I, if I wasn't picking up cones on a Monday night and if anyone's in Cornwall knows Brannel or <laughs> and it's chucking down with rain, if I wasn't there sort of watching sessions and picking cones up, I, I wouldn't be in the position now where I am in terms of, yeah, being, being an academy coach and being in this environment, which I feel really lucky to be in. So I suppose it's, yeah, it's one of them where I've, I suppose, wherever I could try to offer in, in some way, Even if, like I said, it's just picking up cones or just helping, assisting and, you know, just trying to gain any experience I can, which I feel will add to my sort of um, toolbox, if you like.
0: Well, it certainly has. And I wonder if you could tell us a bit about what you've kind of been doing alongside, I guess, the work you actually do out on the grass. And this is a resource you've been creating, which and correct me if I'm wrong here, George, but I kind of see it as under the umbrella of my coaching journey. So that's kind of like the umbrella, if you like, and you've got your website, YouTube and stuff you put out on Twitter. Can you tell us a bit about kind of what that is, where it comes from and, and I guess what you're hoping to do with it?
1: Yeah so I started yeah I wasn't on Twitter well I was on pers- sort of in terms of personal Twitter before but in terms of didn't really do much in terms of coaching on there before and when I was doing my sort of UA um, you know, for B I thought um, you know why not just create an account and just share a few bits every now and again in terms of you know it, it might be rubbish to some people or some people might take an interest so I thought I'd just share it and um yeah, I suppose I, I sort of went down that my coaching journey route. Really, I, don't, I don't really know what I did to be honest, but uh, yeah, that sort of just stuck, <laughs> um, and I've gone from there really. And um, yeah, I suppose I just created it really to yeah share share some ideas and and work that I've that I've done, and in some way it might add value to someone's work. And I suppose similar to like like you're doing yourself in terms of the podcast, um, just sharing different ideas and and I suppose yeah within that coaching community, just sharing different ideas and and hopefully adding value to other people's sort of work that they do. And I know. You know, listen to your podcast I'm, I'm sure yours have with your previous episodes as well so I suppose it was yeah started off with the Twitter and then um yeah I suppose recently I've sort of got a few videos on my, on my YouTube channel which um, again some of the ones on there I sort of created during the first lockdown and it was more a case of just a little bit out of my comfort zone but I thought I'll just give it a go and just what you know what's worse can happen um, and then from there sort of yeah the website is basically because I find Twitter great in terms of sharing stuff but I find it quite easy to lose stuff in terms of you might see something and it might then after you know a month or so you sort of lost it or it's hard to come by so I sort of thought if I can get it in some half logical um, fashion in terms of on the website in terms of if anyone wanted to go and look at something they can just click on it or whatever and and go from there and I suppose that's just something that um, I guess yeah long term I will just continue to add sort of resources or ideas or whatever it is that I feel sort of suitable or might provoke some
0: thought really so you're gonna let it just grow organically that's the plan really just see how it kind of goes moving forward yeah i mean yeah that's sort of yeah the initial plan just to yeah just to continue to add
1: to it sort of as and when and and when i feel i've got any sort of resources that could be of any value or anything in terms of just yeah provoking different ideas really
0: well well, i've seen it and it's funny you mentioned about your obviously the the full-time like around social media and marketing right that's what you kind of do um yeah so i suppose you can see that in the stuff you produce because it's it's polished it's very good so like content aside what he actually says which comes in a minute just the way it looks and stuff is very good so uh, that makes sense now with the background that you've got and what you do for a full-time role
1: yeah well i suppose it's quite funny really I, i i mean i joined sort of the county firm working at in terms of when i originally joined it was a sort of a junior football development sort of role so i was sort of Um, helping different aspects of the business but it's more sort of the development side of sort of grassroots football really over sort of I guess yeah the last sort of about four months now I've sort of been doing that marketing role in terms of there's been a sort of restructure and stuff so it's sort of fallen into place quite nicely really in terms of yeah I suppose well I like to try and make things look pretty if I can but like I suppose yeah it's fallen into place in terms of help further that sort of side of it as well if you like.
0: George and don't get me wrong it's great that it does look very good but ultimately what's most important is actually you know the content and what it says rather than how it looks right I think that's when I first reached out she probably was in the first lockdown because I saw some of the slides you'd put on up on Twitter and I thought they were brilliant really really good and it showed the level of detail and just, just the detail is great but almost just the fact that you'd highlighted it as things and I hadn't seen so much being spoken about some of this stuff back then things like a winning mentality or creating positive training environments, these things weren't really being spoken about on on their own. And and you had done that in these slides. And I wondered if you don't mind, if we just take a few minutes to go through maybe just three or four of them and you just chat around what what people would see if they were looking at it. I know they can find it on your Twitter feed and stuff because it's still out on the website, but if you don't mind, we can just chat around a few of those. Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. No, that sounds good. So I think one of the first ones that grabbed me, which I really liked was you did a slide, if you can remember this, it was on um, session design considerations if you can yeah. think a bit about that if you can if, it, if you can recall it yeah no that's cool
1: um yeah so in terms of i suppose yeah the i call them sort of coach resource slides if you like the the idea behind that was it was during yeah first lockdown obviously had a bit, bit of extra time but it was more a case of just trying to put down ideas or knowledge or stuff that i my brief experiences before try and put it down onto paper as a sort of either a refresher for me but then also um like i said earlier hopefully share some ideas as well but yeah in terms of i guess the session design stuff it was just trying to highlight different things that might influence the way you you plan a session or um in terms of yeah that approach so just i suppose some some important things um on there in terms of so for me in terms of something i took from my b license as well in terms of the the tutor i was working with as well you know really uh, influential in terms of my coaching he sort of would always say if you're looking at your training session if you're doing whatever activity is could you pick it up and just drop it in a game and would it would it fit would it look right so i suppose in terms of that representative design could you effectively pick up your practice and if you dropped it into a game would it look like part of the game now obviously practices are designed in different ways which they might not look entirely the same but if they still got that transferability and the I guess the the key sort of principles or situations that you would have in a game um, then that's a good starting point because ultimately that's what we're, we're trying to prepare them for and then yeah I suppose considering some other stuff so in terms of sort of like the practice spectrum so again how are you going to structure your practices so what do they look like so it might be um, I guess a a blocked or a structured practice where there's quite sort of low variables so you know a typical one to think of um would just be passing to a partner back and forth so there's not much decision making um but there's loads of repetition in terms of the passing and control so although you can i guess progress that and make it more relevant and representative it's more a case of really trying to refine that technique um in sort of a um, structured way if you like and then sort of the other end is more game-based where it's lots of chaos and. the um Sort of that more random approach, which again has got you know great benefits in terms of the decision making and sort of um, transferring those techniques or skills into practice. So just considering um, sort of where on that sort of scale your practices might fall and how or what benefits can they return. Yeah, when I look to try and plan a session, whenever I look at that sort of how I'm going to structure it, I always consider what's the outcome going to be, what am I going to get from it? Because ultimately, you might, like I said, with the with the block stuff, it might be you don't get as much sort of decision making or. You, less chaos but actually they're getting lots of good returns in terms of um really sort of refining their technique on dribbling moves or whatever it is um and then obviously you can sort of build upon that and increase the sort of challenge as you go through Um, and then yeah i suppose just some other elements as well so think about sort of like i said earlier so realism um, so does it look like the game Um, is it realistic to the game sort of the relevance um so is it suitable for your players sort of um needs and their sort of stage of development so for example with my under 10s now I'm not going to do something that would be suitable for you know men's football for example or if I did it would definitely be toned down and and more su- and suited to their needs um, and then looking at again like the repetition so if tonight so for example if I'm looking at um, ball striking or, or shooting for example in the session if that's my focus then they've got to get lots of repetition of that and that doesn't mean just a block practice. That might be in a game. So, for example, one practice that I quite like in terms of when we're doing finishing or shooting or ball striking um, is sort of a small-sided game where the pitch is like a diamond. So it's sort of funneled in towards the goals. Um, and basically, if they score in their own, from their own half, they get two goals or three goals. If they score in the attacking half, it's one. So it's really sh- short, sharp games. Um, first two goals win or first goal wins. Um, But there's just loads of repetition of shooting in different ways. And because it's a game, there's so much sort of variety in terms of the types of shots. So depending on your pressure, you know, it might be all the situation, you know, whips, volley, whatever it is that happens. It's, I suppose, just natural and part of that game. But they're still getting that
0: repetition, which we want in terms of the focus of the session the challenge for us as coaches and i think this is one where we get with experience we t- tend to get better at is getting that repetition and realism at the same time isn't it because we can make something that's repetitive and it kind of you can repeat the same practice whatever that may be like shooting passing whatever we receiving the ball that to get a repetition and also to make it real and game-like, I love the bit you said about, can you drop it into the game? Like that's a challenge. If you can find ways to work on certain aspects of the game that you want to work on with the players that you've got, um, that allows lots of repetition, but also keeps that realism, well, that, that's good coaching, isn't it? That's what this is about, surely.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something I'm still developing in terms of, yeah, design and practices that, know, feel and look like the game but still getting that repetition as well. But I suppose ultimately, especially with the younger ones, you know, they just all they want to do is play games and score goals and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's you know, it's making it fun as well. And it's sometimes, you know, they they're learning with or practicing whatever it is you want to focus on without even realising at times. So it's yeah, trying to almost disguise parts of it as the game even that well, within the game,
0: yeah. And still on session designing, George, how much of the session would you focus on the group of players and how much might you focus on individuals? Yeah, so I suppose,
1: yeah, I don't know if there's a, yeah, I guess a definitive answer to that, but I suppose in terms of previously of sort of planned sessions around certain individuals or small groups in terms of giving them repetition or situations that are relevant to their sort of development, um, or likewise, or alternatively, sorry, um, it might be, within that session you know what I'm sure lots of coaches do in terms of I guess um I don't know I call it like flyby coaching or you know, I've heard others call it like ghost coaching and stuff where you know if you're working with someone else or even if you're in the in the game or practice for example you're going to sort of intervene or just chat to one person rather than the group and give them sort of individual feedback and work with them individually and you might do that for a few different players or you know bullse- bullseye two or three different players within the session that you work In yeah because I suppose ultimately it is it's very hard to give all players what what's relevant to their individual needs within one session in terms of if you've got, you know, 10, 15 players, it's, it's quite hard. Well, it's hard to, you know, provide that individual approach for all of them within a session. Um, and they're all obviously going to get um, sort of returns from it, but I suppose it's, yeah. Try, and again, it's something I, I'm trying to develop as I go forwards, but identifying how I can support different individuals needs throughout, you know, a series of sessions. And it, and it might sort of blend within the, the overall topic as well sort of thing.
0: Okay, brilliant. I want to do a couple more of these, if that's okay. I've got four here yeah. both, when we get through. But I'd like to do the match day considerations, if that's okay. Because, I, again, that was a good one, which I think sometimes... I mean, I, I work in the grassroots yeah. space, you know, and I think as coaches, generally speaking, we've improved a lot on our training. I still think there's work still on the match day. And it, it was great seeing you highlight this on the slide that you put. So can you talk us through your match day considerations slide and what you mentioned there?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I suppose, yeah, similar again, it was trying to... Um, collect different thoughts in terms of how you might prepare or how you might sort of I guess behave on a match day in terms of um when you're coaching so um just yeah highlighting different areas so um I guess common ones that you probably all think about is sort of different objectives in terms of um the approach to the game but again that might be broken down in terms of um sort of individual objectives and it might be sort of this may be sort of towards the older ages as well but um thinking about sort of units. So for example, I don't know, your two centre-backs or your, your midfield unit. So that might come a little bit older, um, but I suppose just having that consideration of, as a team today, we want to achieve this, but especially for the younger ages, how can individuals, what what could they try and achieve? What's relevant to them? Um, and again, that's something I'm trying to sort of develop as we go forwards, but just having that consideration of, um, you know, I guess what you want out of the game really and what you want to try and get out of the game. And then, yeah, I suppose sort of, section on there about sort of feedback so different types of feedback that you might use and I suppose over the last sort of season or two I've sort of I guess been sort of learning in terms of how different types of feedbacks might work um, within a game so for example obviously you know when you're playing the game it is quite chaotic at times and it can be quite difficult sometimes for individuals to take on information so sometimes with players I've found and it again it's individual and it might vary at different times but some players might just prefer to be told stuff in a game rather than to be asked a question which might confuse them and then consequently make them either miss what you're trying to uh, portray in terms of the the message or do something different so sometimes it might i've done in the past where and again it's something i need to recognize perhaps a bit more as well but perhaps giving sort of um, instruction in terms of it within the game to an individual but then following up in the intervals in terms of so for example, well, I don't know, Jimmy. So today I was asking you just to get a little bit wider in possession. Why do you reckon I was asking you to do that? What what did it help you do? What did it help others do? So I suppose it's because I'm you know, I'm conscious I don't don't want it to be a case of just, you know, automatically telling players what to do because ultimately they're the ones that's playing. But I suppose it's having that um consideration again of sometimes players might need a bit of instruction and a bit of help and then followed up with the questioning. And it's quite interesting I did with um on the previous season with um, the older boys I was working with um, actually asked some of them what they would prefer in terms of communication in the game. And quite a lot of them said, I'd rather just be told what I need to do and then follow up on it after. And I suppose it's one of them, sometimes players might just want that, but you might need to just try and provoke it out of them or likewise, you might need to give them the instruction and just follow up on it after. Because you, know, <laughs> you know, I've played and I'm sure you've played a bit as well in terms of when you're playing, sometimes you've got so much on your mind or you're really focused on something. And the last thing you want is just, 30 seconds of a question or something and you're like, just go away, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's that sort of consideration as well in terms of the feedback. Um, And then, yeah, I suppose building on that really, um, looking at sort of, I guess, opportunities to involve the players as well. So something I've done quite a lot with my under-10s this year is um, basically got, so we normally have one or two players um, that'll be resting during the period or for parts of the period that we're playing and they're effectively feeding back to the group so giving them that ownership of right actually how do you think that the the boys have done so far what would you change or what could you um suggest um that we've done well or could improve on and giving them that ownership because ultimately i could i could be there and and tell them all the answers or what i think of the answers Um, but i think it's quite powerful and obviously with the sort of the learning process as well giving them that opportunity to engage and take ownership of that and then hopefully at times i can just get Guide them and provide the extra support as well. And then, yeah, there's a few other bits on there. Um, but I suppose one thing as well that, especially with the under-13s, so we only had one squad, but there was two coaches, myself and then the lead coach. Um, it worked quite well in terms of we would sort of have different roles on the match day. So obviously, this is sort of dependent and, and although it's you know it's quite a luxury having two coaches in some situations, um, but considering how you operate and sort of what you're focusing on. So, for example, I might focus on in possession today. You might focus on out of possession. And then sort of our feedback is either not conflicting in terms of if we both do everything, but at the same time, it's clearer for us what we're trying to observe in the game to hopefully provide sort of more accurate and and clearer feedback for the players as well. And then, yeah, just other sort of methods in terms of like, um, before we've had it, so one person is the voice in terms of, they're the only one that feeds back to the players in terms of during the game so it's that one common voice and then I might be the person that sort of either looks at individuals or looks at certain elements and sort of chats with the coach as we're going through the game and just suggests or highlights different bits and then um, the other coach might be the person that actually feeds back the information in terms of during the live game as well.
0: Some so many great points in there George, I did love that style when I saw it and a mistake that i made when i first started coaching having a co-coach alongside is we would be on match days and we'd both be shouting at the players not shouting but certainly giving yeah. instructions both of us not, not even necessarily conflict instructions but just two voices very loud and these were under six under sevens it's ridiculous when you reflect back on it but one thing i learned quickly was well first we'll just have one voice because that's a step in the right direction <laughs> so you can have you can have two sets of eyes but have one voice and that's a great point you make about that the second thing was it's okay asking questions. I'm a big fan of asking the players questions, 100%. But it is how you ask it, isn't it? And actually, the important thing is the why behind it, isn't it? So you actually you can give an yeah. instruction if you want to, as long as a as as player understands why that instruction has been given to them and what it means in context. I think the danger when you first start coaching, and what I still see now, and I'd say probably on occasion, still do myself, is you just give an instruction without really having the why behind it or, or any kind of question. And I think that's when you let the players down a little bit too. But the point I loved the most, and I remember seeing this thinking, I do some of this, but I could do it better was actually you know what rather than having your two or three subs sitting there kind of just kicking the ball or picking grass or whatever else, make them your assistant coaches. You know, give them responsibility and get them involved. And we did that at really at the young ages, under sevens, eights and nines. And would give them a task, you know, okay, tell us who's doing really well in this quarter, you know, and, you know and, and why. So when we come back for the quarter team talk or the halftime team talk, you can say who you think's done really, really well against their objectives as a team and why you've done that. And it really is impactful because it keeps them engagement, it, keeps, it makes them analyze, and it allows them to reflect in a positive way on their peers, which then also gives them that kind of subliminal learning themselves, if, if, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think you know even you know, when I've done it with the under-10s this season, it you know you'd be surprised what they pick up on and what they yeah. what they feedback and and the way they do it, and, and obviously it's different between individuals. But some some kids absolutely love that sort of role and being able to feedback and and that sort of side of it. And I suppose on the flip side, if someone's you know perhaps a bit more shy in terms of like I was as a, I, I was as a player, it actually. It's just slowly introduces them to that sort of communication, the more social side of it, and just slowly develops that over time as well. So it's
0: yeah, all that, yeah, it just provides different benefits, I guess. Lots of life skills in that, isn't there, really? That ownership, communication, yeah. uh, responsibility, reflection. Now, there's loads there, isn't there? I mean, you know, these, are, these are wonderful things that sport can bring to young athletes especially who is you know starting off on their their life journeys as much as their sports journeys and all these wonderful transferable life skills one of the other slides i really liked and it might be the last one i mentioned here before we move on to the next bit is um was the one again i thought you were kind of brave to highlight it and use the word as well which you know i, I agree with you is is part of, is, of all competition but you don't often see it highlighted it's that winning mentality and you had a side on winning, winning mentality considerations are you happy to talk a bit about that one as well
1: yeah we can touch upon that yeah I suppose I'll put that together so I suppose when we had the first lockdown we had a few sort of I guess CPD sessions in terms of um, as a club, club uh, academy staff getting together and discussing some different topics and stuff um, and this was sort of one of them and, and quite fortunate in the fact that we had a sort of couple of ex-pros in terms of that were involved in the coaching staff um, and it was really interesting to get their insight in terms of yeah what they felt a winning mentality was and what ultimately allowed them to to have that mentality to go on to be a professional player and I suppose a lot of it was underpinned by sort of that that growth mindset in terms of always sort of wanting to improve and always sort of accepting the fact that you you can continually improve and you've never sort of got to that end point in terms of you never sort of the finished product and I suppose that goes for coaches as well and I suppose you know one of the really sort of evident bits in terms of obviously that just informal discussion, but um, was sort of that desire to be the best, but also willing to put that extra effort in and basically do the work that no one's seeing. So um, one of the uh, coaches who who, he's played in the world cup and stuff, he was saying whenever, whenever, when he was a kid, whenever he had free time, all he would do is just be out playing with the ball and just continue to do those extras. And then when he got older, it'd be more sort of structured stuff, but it was always putting in that extra work to really, because he wanted to be the best he could and be the you know the best um, striker he could, so it's about having that sort of well accepting that responsibility in terms of I've al- I can always improve. How am I going to do it? Am I you know do I have that desire to do it as well? And I suppose if you were to ask me how to how to give that to players or whatever, I, d- I, d- I wouldn't have the answer in terms of that side of it as well. But I suppose again, it was just things to consider. You know, common themes in terms of you know professionals you see like Ronaldo and stuff always in the extras and stuff like that, but also. Um, I guess, yeah, it's just a few little insights in terms of some conversations I've
0: um, been involved with as well, really. There's no shortcut to it, is there? It's about hard work and a good mentality, I guess, and a good mindset and a good attitude and application. And, and how much you think of that is driven by the environment in which the players are in? I mean, could, could you have a player that's kind of really got a good attitude and regardless of the coaching environment, they're going to succeed? Or do you think really for it to work, you need to have that environment to kind of help drive that forward, especially with younger players?
1: Yeah, I think definitely having that sort of positive environment that sort of yeah fosters that that want and, and uh, that want to improve and 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 that and gives them those opportunities to improve and sort of I guess yeah doesn't limit the players as to what they can try and do and and I guess lockdown's been quite interesting in terms of seeing how some players have really really developed in terms of the technical side of it in terms of for example juggling some players like doing thousands of, of keepy ups whereas before they perhaps couldn't and, and it's I suppose it's having that desire to just improve and obviously you know that might be situation specific but um I suppose yeah it's definitely having that environment that I guess challenges and and continues to challenge players in 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 an appropriate way um yeah we'll we'll hopefully help facilitate that as well
0: and I'm curious how did you choose those particular themes or topics were these just things you were passionate about or things you needed attention being drawn to them (laughs) why those because I mean you could have done I'm sure hundreds of different ones they're, they're brilliant and I love them but I wonder why you chose those
1: yeah so I suppose a lot of them so for example like developing positive coach athlete relationship um, behavior management um, sort of positive environment session design and stuff though I suppose they were areas that I felt were quite important to my coaching but also I guess coaching in, in a wider aspect um, and I suppose there were sort of areas I'd I covered before and, and I yeah it was an attempt to try and basically put together some pretty notes really and and <laughs> hopefully some sort of um, value in terms of, for me, in terms of refreshing and I guess going over that, um, those experiences and knowledge again to hopefully refine it and, and reinforce it, but also, like I said, share it as well. But I suppose, yeah, like in terms of the, and I, I haven't really spoke about it, but the behaviour management side of it, a lot of that that I've sort of put down on there has been based off my community coaching that I've done in terms of in-school PE lessons and stuff. So working in schools for, four or five years or whatever primary school you know there's all sorts of situations that you're in which you you know without that i would i definitely wouldn't be working um in terms of the the academy environment now that that sort of um i guess behavior management and 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 all those aspects of it just communication with the children and and that human connection again without that experience and without that sort of um you know definitely getting it wrong a few times and, and learning from that that definitely has underpinned sort of my coaching now really so yeah it was just a case of trying to yeah any bits that i felt were sort of yeah relevant and important try and put it together really
0: it kind of reads to me like what you did was you kind of went for your experience, then you kind of put things in categories, rightly so, and it was yeah. like, they're like cheat sheets you refer back to. So you just kind of remind yourself what the key things were that you learned and, and are important to you. And I'm sure you could change and add things as you, as you carry on. But that to me, like, you, you did a work for us. So it was like, hey, these are brilliant. These are my cheat sheets. Some things I kind of thought I was comfortable with, and other things they, they were new information. But either way, it was all in one place. And it kind of is a little ch- or checklist if you want. But either way, it's just to make sure that you're, you're staying on course with these kind of key themes, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely, and, I, and yeah, I'm not. I'm not here saying I do every single one of them because I definitely don't. All those definitely ones I can I can improve on massively. <laughs> um, but I suppose yeah, like you said, I, I think I suppose now, especially with recent times in terms of the amount of, um, I guess, resources in terms of webinars or whatever, it's brilliant. In terms of the access that you know coaches can get in terms of the different stuff, but I suppose part of that was thinking actually the amount of time I actually spend properly reflecting on what I've learned is probably, you know, well, it's definitely a lot smaller than, you know, what I tune into and whatever. So it's a case of trying to, you know, remember stuff more than anything really. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like you said, trying to, Put it together as a reference really
0: another part of the wonderful resources you've put out there in the public domain that i've seen as well is your youtube videos and they are very good could you talk us through i'm conscious of the time so i don't want to go on but just talk us through kind of how they come about and again what your points are because you've got the train like james will Prowse ones you've got the dribbling moves the turning tutorials learn how to hide the ball like hazards you've got some really good stuff out there kind of you've got some which you giving demos you've got somewhere you're doing the one-to-one coaching just a bit of background to the videos themselves, if you don't mind, George, and then you know, and what are you hoping to achieve with those and what will people get out from watching them?
1: Yeah, so I suppose again, that was I guess just something new that I thought I'd just try and see how it got in terms of yeah something a little bit out of my comfort zone but um yeah in terms of the resource slides um I haven't done all of them um but there's a few on there where I sort of have a I don't know, 20 minute discussion in terms of just covering points I guess similar to like we've just done there in terms of um basically why I've put them down and what what importance they might have or what relevance and then I suppose in terms of yeah so I don't do too much one-to-one coaching but I really enjoy it and I feel it's when I get to do it it's really rewarding in terms of the fact that you can work with individuals on you know, really focus on stuff that relevant to their needs or what they enjoy doing. Um, and I suppose that sort of, yeah, I sort of called it train like James Ward Prowse in terms of that, that sort of session was all geared up on on, on how sort of, you know, receiving skills as as in terms of James Ward Prowse, because that was the, the player's favourite player. So their role model. So it was trying to base it around the role model to inspire them from there. But um, yeah, that was really rewarding. I suppose, I'd, yeah, I just thought I'd try and clip a few bits up just to give a few ideas again. And yeah, I suppose in terms of the tutorials in terms of so dribbling um, moves and turning moves yeah again that was just a case of trying to share some ideas of sort of core moves that will help players in terms of turning or dribbling um, but again I suppose from personal side it was so this season like I said earlier we've got quite a, a, a focus on the technical development of our players at the younger ages so for me it was trying to really unpick and I guess sort of understand how you perform certain moves effectively So hopefully improve my ability to teach them to the players within the sessions and I suppose likewise with the learn to hide the ball like um, like Hazard just um, you know at the younger ages it's so important for players to be able to handle the ball and being able to hide the ball and escape and and, and you might have come across well I imagine you have sort of Pete Sturgis and the work he's done in terms of um, the foundation phase so that sort of built off that really in terms of firstly how, how can you hide the ball really well um, but also different moves so Obviously, you don't want to just hide the ball forever. You want to try and escape into free space. So different moves that, I
0: suppose, can give players the opportunity to escape and travel wherever they want to travel, really. And is there plans to do more of the slides or the videos? What, what, what's going to happen with this now? Is it going to just happen organically as and when you think it's right, you'll do some more, or have you got a plan with this?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I suppose, at the moment, there isn't a set plan. I guess, again, it's probably going to be you know, more organic short-term. I'd like to do more of it, I suppose, at the moment. I yeah I'm quite sort of busy in terms of yeah work um coaching and then my masters as well so it's it's a case of yeah sometimes I've got some ideas but don't necessarily have the time to go and actually put it into place so I suppose going forwards it'll probably be quite natural um short term but again that's just going to be something that hopefully I can add to um going over time really and yeah if if it helps anyone then brilliant but if not then well I've just
0: made a video (laughs) (laughs) no honestly George they're they are they're fantastic I think it's really really good I think for experienced coaches it's great to look and reflect and question yourself whether you'd agree with all the bits or add things and stuff so it gets you thinking I think for less experienced coach there are a, they're, they're a they're gold dust they really are because it it immediately kind of almost shortcuts all that learning you put in over those years and it gives you an, almost a, a quick route to get that key stuff that you know would really help all coaches i think just think about how they approach their their players in their sessions so well done for putting it together it certainly has that polished yes. look but more importantly it has wonderful content around it so fair play george it's it's really good stuff and i hope you keep doing more of it because i will be using them <laughs> i promise you that so um ah, cheers appreciate it <laughs> Before we finish off, if you've got a few more minutes, that's all right. Just a couple of last questions. If, if you've got time, George, is that okay? Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, do you have a favourite session or practice? I know it's not always easy to answer, but you know, some coaches have their go-to session that there's a little game or something. I wondered if you've got anything you'd lean on. If you had to do a session now because the phone rang, you've got to go out on the, on the grass the next half an hour, you know, what might what, what, you put on?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily have a favourite session, but I suppose in terms of um, things that, I think are uh, valuable in terms of if i just think about the younger ages, obviously it might look a bit different um, going up, going um, yeah, up the ages. Um, but I suppose in terms of some stuff that we alluded to so far in terms of lots of ball mastery, but also one V one work. So like, like we alluded to then the, the, the hide in the ball and, and playing one V one. So I suppose I did a session earlier, well, just before Christmas really, which was probably one of the most enjoyable sessions that from my perspective as a coach but also um I feel that resonated for the players because sometimes you know you might think it's great but actually the players probably don't get much out of it but I think both sides was it was really valuable in terms of it was all around um well I was sort of following on uh before actually the the sort of learn to hide the ball at Hazard video in terms of being able to protect the ball and hide the ball but then being able to escape and I sort of um been quite fortunate in terms of got a contact um who does low in in terms of a coach over in in canada called um sanjeev he's on twitter as well you might come across him um does sort of lots of work in terms of futuro soccer academy and his approach to i guess individual development but technical development is like really really interesting in terms of the creative side that he he adds into it and he sort of used a a medicine ball in terms of player be have a medicine ball and they're basically pushing the other players when They're trying to dribble around the area, so they've got to try and protect the ball and then spin off. and I suppose that was quite a nice introduction in terms of players getting used to contact um, and then using different moves to escape it before you then sort of scaffold and add that actual real pressure on top of it. And that sort of just led into, um, yeah, a 1v1 game where they've got too many goals back to back in an area. Players start in the middle, you bounce the ball in the middle, so it's in the end, they've basically got a win the ball to so get their body in between the other player hide the ball and then escape and go and score and then that led into a game um which i which i stole from pete Sturgis, where if they score the winning team's got to get a ball and protect it 1v1 until the coach says stop or whatever magic word and then if all the players have got the ball they, they keep the goal sort of thing so it was it was one of them where it just flowed really nicely but in terms of the returns to the players on what we wanted to get out of the session that was really high as well so that was yeah pretty enjoyable
0: that one It's always great when you enjoy it as much as the players do or vice versa, right? That's what you want, isn't it? When everyone leaves feeling that was good and high energy, lots of intensity, lots of fun, but also lots of outcomes. Sounds good. Good way to, yeah, a good way to uh, finish up before the lockdown, but uh, I bet you can't wait to get back out there again and start doing it all again. Final question then, really, just we ask all the guests this one. Is there, if there was one thing you could change in the world of coaching, what might that be?
1: I'm not too sure, but I suppose in terms of one thing that i I guess it might be more personal to me rather than, I guess, the the wider sort of community in terms of coaches. But I suppose almost like the, I guess the perception of what coaching is. So in terms of like, I suppose leading back to earlier in terms of the the importance of that human connection and um, having that that underpin everything really in terms of coaching. Whereas, like I said earlier, when I first started, you know, it was all about the X's and O's and, and, and the football side of it. Whereas actually, I think, that personal connection and the human connection is so important, and and I, I'll link back to Keith May I mentioned earlier. So I was on the CPD. Well, he was doing the CPD the other day. And I was, managed to get on it, which is which was brilliant. But he was sort of he's really passionate about this stuff, and he was sort of saying it was it was quite I guess a point where I sort of was listening. I thought, oh, that's quite that's sort of quite impactful, really. But he was sort of saying like um, coaches, one of the main roles is to gain information from players and deliver messages and some messages might stick some might come too early or some might come too late or some just on the right time and he's and he sort of put it quite nicely in terms of coaches uh, especially for the younger players are effectively postmen so they're delivering collecting information and delivering messages and I thought that was quite a nice way to sort of put it all together really but yeah I suppose that um yeah that sort of perception in terms of what underpins coaching if you like but also um, I suppose as well like I'm always quite conscious of what I'm doing and I suppose as a coach there's almost this sort of um, perception where if you ask for help you're seen as unknowledgeable or you've got some sort of lack of knowledge in an area so I suppose in terms of you know accepting the fact that you don't have all the answers you never will and that, I suppose that's something I've learned quite early on really and 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 from that it's allowed me to get so much support and feedback and guidance from other more knowledgeable people that's really shape me going forward so I suppose yeah it might apply more in terms of younger or less experienced coaches but just having that awareness that actually you know if, if you ask someone for help that's you know you, you're trying to get better so it's, it's only going to help you really so yeah I suppose might be a slightly different way of looking at it but that sort of I guess perceptual side of it <laughs>
0: I think that's brilliant. I think that idea that you don't, you know, just because you're the coach, you got you don't have to have all the answers and know it all. It's okay to be sometimes unsure and sometimes make mistakes. And I think actually, although we say it a lot, I think for a lot of coaches, that's that's not something they're easy. To, don't deal with it very easily, you know, and they, you know, we might have the parents watching us, the players, the club, whatever it might be. There's that constant pressure to look like you've got full control. Well, let's be honest. you, No one has, you know, however good you might be, you never got full control. And the reality is lots of us haven't got anywhere near full control. And it's just, I think it's a brilliant point. And if you can, have the mindset that that's acceptable and that's okay. And also needing to take the people around you with that, especially the players on that journey, then that's not a bad thing either, because actually if they realize that they've got the responsibility to help with the learning process as well. It's not all on you as the coach, well, that's great for them because that willing, you know, encourage accountability, ownership of those things we spoke about previously. That's the, one of the good ways of doing it. So it almost becomes like a coaching tool rather than, you know, something that you can use against you. It can be a positive thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, I suppose it's, yeah, because it was quite interesting at the moment, so we're doing a psychology module on, on the Masters, I won't go into too much, but um, I suppose we've just sort of touched upon and, and going to look into, I guess, the coach as a, a performer as well, in terms of yeah. the amount of, um, like like players really, the amount of influences and, and different types of stress or stresses that can influence the coach. Um, how do they deal with that in terms of, to allow them to perform? So in, like we said, in terms of that, with parents, for example, you know, seeing that as perhaps a, a threat if you like but actually you know it's they only want the best for the kids and you want the best for their kids so actually you, you're working towards a common goal so it's I suppose yeah having that I don't know if it's vulnerability or or, or bravery to just accept that and, and try and embrace it but yeah it's so important I think.
0: Brilliant, Georgia. Thanks so much. So just finally, then really, what are your plans moving forward? Uh, you've got a long journey ahead of you. You've got the masters going on right now and everything else, but kind of, where what are you going to do? And do you have a vision for the next three, four, five years plus?
1: Yes, I suppose um, I've got ideas in terms of what I'd like to do or, you know, areas that I'd like to try and work towards. I suppose I haven't got anything set in stone, um, but I suppose, what I try and do and what I'm trying to do is just whatever I do going forwards is hopefully going to add value to me in terms of my ability to be a more effective coach. Um, but you know, more, a, a better person. And, and hopefully that will put me in good stead in terms of hopefully working my way into different opportunities that, you know, whatever rises, cause well, I suppose, uh, yeah, I've got ideas, but I don't want to just be fixated on them. So for example, when I first got into coaching it, my thoughts might've been actually, uh, you know, I want to be working first team football or whatever like that. But actually, although I've worked in sort of under 18s and the eleven side with the under 13s and that was great and I enjoyed it, I think the rewards and and benefits I'm getting from working with the younger kids as well is so powerful. So in terms of from when I started to where I'm now, the, I guess, end goal or the the end area that I want to work towards is definitely either changed or being influenced. So I suppose it's, yeah, yeah, trying to just do as much as I can and, and, and and see where it takes me really.
0: I've got no doubt, George, that whatever you do, it's going to be a success. Your passion, your quality and what you put into things, your attention to detail, your enthusiasm, um, just how much you've managed to cover in such a short space of time only bodes well for the future. And I'm intrigued to watch your journey. And please stay in contact. Please get resources coming and sharing things because they're fantastic. But it'd be great to maybe catch up with you again in a year or 18 months time and see you know what your thoughts are around the we haven't even covered i want to ask you this one we've got time now but how you think maybe coach might look in the future and things like that so maybe would you be happy to come back on again at some point in a year or so and have a chat about how things are looking then
1: yeah definitely i think yeah i've really enjoyed it i suppose like we said off just before you know this has been my first podcast but actually yeah, it's been it's been really great and i suppose you know what you're doing in terms of yeah sharing different ideas and, and, and with the guests that you get on your show is brilliant as well
0: so um no yeah, i really appreciate coming on and it's been it's been great thanks you. you've been uh, worth waiting for it's much appreciated i say it all the time but the podcast aren't as good as its guests you know and people like you make the, make a world of difference and you know all, all i always remember when i do these and we finish i just think back like if i was listening to this would i want to hear it and i definitely would now i would but particularly maybe three or four years ago when i was you know still finding my feet a little bit but even if i had been coaching for another 15 years time i'd want to hear this and you know what are young coaches out there thinking feeling about the game and what are they doing and stuff so there's so much good stuff in what you said today george it's you know it's it's brilliant and i know our listeners will, will get loads out of it so thank you so much if they want to reach out to you are you i mean obviously you were kind enough to come back to us through twitter it, it, would you be happy for coach to reach out to you so you know you have a share twitter handle and or another way of contacting you possibly uh, also please mention the um your website and the youtube channel if that's okay so people can find the, the resources there
1: yeah so um yeah feel free to get in touch um and yeah if, if, if i can help in any way i'll, I'll try my best to um so, yeah, I suppose in terms of um, the website, so it's just www.mycoachingjourney.co.uk and I suppose that's where I look to just basically share stuff that goes on Twitter as well. Um, but there's some contact details on there. But, yeah, Twitter, feel free to get in touch with me on that. So um, the Twitter handle, it's um, mycoaching um, and then it's J-O-U-R and then a one. So it's not quite the full mycoachingjourney, um, but feel free to get in touch with me, uh, with me there. And, um, yeah, if there's any questions
0: or anything, feel free to get in touch. We'll put all that in the show notes. We'll put the website and your Twitter and everything in the show notes. So, sure, Thanks again so much for your time. It's really appreciated. Um, keep up the great work. I, I've got loads of resources already, the videos, the, um, the slides, and everything else that you shared. So, you know, I, I, please keep them coming because they're brilliant. And um, I look forward to maybe catching up again in a year or so's time and seeing, seeing where you're at then, if that's all right.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds good. I yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Top, man. Thanks, George.